Facebook, Amazon, Netflix, Google. What makes them industry giants? Get ready to take a peek inside and learn their secrets of success. This is Silicon Valley Insider, the show that demystifies the valley and helps to elevate your business to the next level. Now, your host for Silicon Valley Insider, Keith Koo. Welcome to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo, and we've got a great show for you today. My special guest is Alan Leinwand, and when we talk about visionaries in Silicon Valley, Alan is it. Alan is currently the Senior Vice President of Engineering at Slack, the collaboration software company, but Alan knows how to scale companies. He was the CTO of ServiceNow. He was the CTO of Zynga, and we are going to get his tips on how to manage remote teams, and also more importantly, we're going to get his tips on how to scale a company, so don't go away. In this week's tech news, I want to talk about a headline, which is that the U.S. Mint halted production of coins due to COVID-19. And because of that, a retailer major in the Midwest actually had to stop taking any hard cash payments. It would only go to digital payments such as credit card, debit card, and mobile phones. Um, I think this is just a way that we're still moving towards a digital future. I cover this topic a lot. So stay tuned. Also related to adapting times with COVID-19, FICO actually came out with the new credit rating called the FICO Resilience Index. And it takes into account such things as ability to pay, uh, payment, timeliness, and the amount of debt. It is definitely different than the traditional FICO score. So you should look that up. Glassdoor came out with a survey on what the current job seekers are looking for coming out into the new normal. And out of the top 10 jobs, five of them are technology related. Software engineer at 94,000, data analyst at 60,000, business analyst at 65,000, data scientist at 101,000, and software developer at 70,000. So we can see that there's still a high demand for technical jobs. Facebook and Twitter are still reeling with this thought that they are self-censoring information and they're trying to continue just their algorithms and their PR to explain why or why not that's okay. And the last thing I want to talk about is I know usually um, I'm just talking at you, but if you ever have any questions or comments, you want me to bring up a technology topic, something's on your mind, just drop me a line at info at svn.biz. I'll be happy to answer your question. And that's the tech news of the week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my special guest today is Alan Leinwan, who is the Senior Vice President of Engineering at Slack. Welcome back, Alan. Thanks, Keith. Great to be here. So, Alan, I'm uh, just so blessed that you're on the show today. I want to talk about you. I want to talk about your career. And then also I want to talk about what you're up to with Slack. Um, Let me make sure I get this straight because you were already a legend. You left Cisco before I joined, but we definitely run in the same circles. From Cisco... You had an open source software startup, Viata, that got acquired by Brocade. And then you became the CTO of Zynga. And then you became the CTO of ServiceNow. And now you're the head of engineering for Slack. That is quite an impressive career. And you were a VC along the way as well, right? Yeah, you, you got all that right. Um, so after my days at Cisco, I actually did one other stop in there. I did a company called Digital Island. So I was the okay. founding team of a startup called Digital Island. 
which was one of the original data center hosting CDN companies. That was through the dot-com sort of days. Uh, and that got out of that uh, in the late 90s and early 2000s. I was CEO of a company called Proficient Networks, which was a routing optimization company that had some modest success. Um, but then I did go into the VC world and um, I spent about six and a half years at JP Morgan Partners. And then we became what's called Panorama Capital. And at the time I was a partner focusing on what you probably now call infrastructure and cloud stuff. But what's funny is along the way, um, I sort of had an itch to build. I've always had this itch to build. So you're, you're right, Keith, I went off and I co-founded a company called Viata, which was an open source um, version of Cisco's operating system, essentially. So it's Cisco on, on commodity hardware. And that did get bought by Brocade. And then I was lucky enough to go over to, to Zynga where I was CTO of infrastructure, helping them build out their private and public cloud offerings. Uh, CTO over at ServiceNow, which is an enterprise software company and workflow and automation. And now I'm, uh, as you said, SVP of engineering at Slack, where I'm helping lead the engineering teams to build um, the Slack collaboration tools. Well, that is a very impressive career, not just for one person, for you know a whole <laughs> team of people. So uh, kudos to you. And again, I know um, in the Cisco alumni space, it is uh, definitely seen as very impressive and we're really happy for you. So thanks again for sharing that. It, with all those experiences you had, what are some of the, because you know, you've gone back and forth between, and I think you've said it correctly, I, I think, in, and this is not uh, meant to be a judgment thing, there are, we say there's builders and the maintainers. There's people who really like to build and there's people who really like to maintain and not, one's not better than the other, but it's a, it's a personality driven thing. What is the common thread through all these different experiences you've had um, in building all these organizations and teams? Yeah, I, I think you're right. I mean, I, I sort of really enjoy building and I enjoy building for scale. That's the thing that I really look to do in my career, whether it was on the VC side, helping build companies, helping build teams, helping build out business plans and executing that way, or whether it was things like Viata where you're trying to build out open source software and take it to a community of, of you know millions of people where that software now is sort of eventually got bought up by AT&T and is being used as part of the AT&T backbone. Um, whether you're talking about things at Zynga where you're talking about you know tens of millions of people all playing games at the same time or, or Slack where you're seeing you know many, many millions of concurrent users all at the same time communicating. So to me, the thing that gets me excited is, is scale. And whether you're building technology or whether you're building businesses, it's getting to scale that sort of gets me out of bed in the morning. And I should preface all that by saying thank you for the, the kind words. Uh, they're humbling to hear, but I appreciate it. Hey, I mean, the tech community is very tight. And I think that now, which we'll talk about a little bit later in the show, I think especially now during the new normal post-lockdown, I do think uh, technologies like Slack are going to be even more important. And if people hadn't heard about it yet, um, it is definitely the future of collaboration. So um, thanks again. One other thing I wanted to ask you, um, Alan, is... I actually used to play Zynga before I had kids <laughs> right when I was having kids. So that's a long time ago uh, with the Facebook integration. Um, what's it like being on rocket ship after rocket ship? Yeah, I think you know, it's fascinating to me to, to be on sort of that rocket ship sort of analogy. Um, to me, the thing that's fascinating is that there are a lot of different patterns you see that repeat over and over again. You see teams that struggle as they start to build and then they hit the inflection point where they can hire a lot faster and they hire the right personnel. 
You see teams that build the technology that scales up to 10 users or 100 users, but can't quite break through on 10,000 or 100,000 or a million sort of uh, daily actives if you're talking about games or concurrent sessions or packets per second or whatever you're, you're talking about. I, I What I've really marveled in sort of the fortunate career I've had is being able to see these inflection points and have the experience to know that what's coming next. So from my perspective, the rocket ship is just another fun ride. And I guess I'm fortunate enough to see some of the patterns of where the ship's going and I can help others and help the team get there together. Um, I won't say I did it perfectly. My first couple of rocket ships, the route is probably a little bumpier than my last couple, but um, that's part of, I guess, part of the game and trying to understand how you get from point A to point B in an accelerated way. So the sum of your answer or some of my, my answer may be very, very simply is it's a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, no, I like that analogy. I mean, we know that uh, SpaceX Dragon just a few weeks back had a very successful launch and people were happy about awesome. that because we're, we're talking about lives. <laughs> but what people didn't hear so much about was the day before on one of their experimental rockets, it actually blew up on the launch pad. So it's yeah, a kind of I, I read about ride. that. I read about that and I, I was watching the launch live and hoping for all my friends that work at SpaceX uh, for all the wonderful success they had. So, Alan, thanks again for being on today's show. We have a lot to cover. You're listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. My special guest today is Alan Linewan, who is currently Senior Vice President and Head of Engineering at Slack. But if you heard the earlier part of the show, Alan's got a very, very uh, tenured career here in Silicon Valley and has touched a lot of great technologies. So if you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about today, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back with more of Alan. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. On my show today is very special guest, Alan Linewan, who is the Senior Vice President of Engineering at Slack. Welcome back, Alan. Thanks, Keith. So early in the show, Alan, we definitely talked about your background, um, your storied career here in Silicon Valley. I wanted to ask you this question because I know Slack really well, and Slack is um, well-known in the technology space. During the pandemic, COVID-19, Slack is getting a lot of attention. What are some of the learnings from this event? Yeah, well, well, thanks for knowing Slack. And for those of you that use Slack, we appreciate it. Um, I think, you know, Slack is a channel-based communications platform. And as we saw the COVID crisis hit and sort of as the world moved into this global pandemic, we saw, as you might imagine, an accelerated adoption of Slack. Um, we saw the message volume increase pretty significantly. We saw the number of connected user sessions increase, so the number of simultaneous users connected to the platform increasing. And interestingly enough, we have a, a feature of the product called Share Channels. Essentially, Share Channels is a Slack channel between two organizations. So mm-hmm. sometimes people think about Slack as being within their company, but you can also Slack between company A and company B to sort of get that fluidity of, of information and get the collaboration going. And the amount of shared channels we saw increase was pretty dramatic as well. And what that sort of started to tell me is that people are looking for a different way of work, of working. They're looking for a different way of communicating as opposed to the, the email uh, mechanisms they're used to, or maybe the face-to-face Zooms where everyone's in two dimensions all the time. They're really looking for a, a quicker hit, a quicker way to communicate. 
Um, so what we've seen from a Slack perspective is just a growth in the platform, a growth in the messaging volume, and a growth of people communicating company to company, which I think is a, a fascinating network effect you can observe as a technologist as you start to see these various companies and these various vertices and these concentric circles building of people communicating within the platform. It's it's kind of like you're building a new network of sorts, and it's really something that, that we find quite fascinating to watch uh, our customers do. So that's what we really saw. Um, the other thing we saw is people asking us how to use collaboration tools better. For example, we know we use Slack different than probably everyone else uses Slack, um, but we also know that we use Zoom differently than other people use it, or we use um, electronic whiteboards differently. So we're, we're looking to share with a lot of our brethren in the tech community, and even in, outside the tech community about how we use these tools, how we learn from each other, and make sure that we're doing the right things. I think the other thing that's that's changed for us um, since since the pandemic is we really want to help. I mean, Slack has been very aggressive in sharing our products with folks that are working on COVID-19, building communities of doctors that are working on COVID so they can communicate in a highly effective way. And we understand that that's super important, uh, that we want to continue to drive that sort of, you know, ability to help and, and do good in the world. And it, it's nice to be part of a product or part of a technology that, that sort of leads to that. Thanks, Alan. And I know um, since we talk a lot about our shared experience back at Cisco, that was kind of the same mentality during the feeling the dot-com days, yeah. right? So, I mean, that's super important. Um, one thing I wanted to follow up on because we're talking about collaboration tools and yes, us in the tech community are very familiar with them. Um, how would people in other industries who haven't yet use a collaboration tool. So they haven't seen the generations that have come down the pike from all different types of previous technologies. How would they conceptualize adopting a tool like Slack? Yeah, you have to think about, you know, the way we, we moved into email. Email has this idea of email threads and we kind of all know what those are. There's the, the subject and then the subsequent replies and follow-ons on top of that. When you think about a channel-based messaging platform or a collaboration tool, you're sort of taking those threads of conversations and you're moving them to things that are more real-time. And yes, you you know, people tend to think about these tools as being used by techs and developers and things like that, but they're used by far more uh, teams out there, whether it's marketing teams or sales teams or restaurateurs or farmers or insurance agents. It's just anyone who wants the ability to securely communicate, securely collaborate, over a quick tool, that, that's the best way to think about it. So the way I would think about it is for everyone you might want to email, you could potentially use a different type of collaboration tool. And we think it's, you know, channel-based collaboration tools are the right way to go. But we would encourage people to think about how do you, you know, some people still use fax, not quite as much as it used to be. Uh, maybe someday email will be the, the fax of the future. We'll find out. Great analogy. I will tell you that um, all the nonprofits I'm working with, we have adopted using Slack or have at least tested using Slack because we think it's a, a better mode of communication than um, email, which, as you've mentioned, has its limitations. So that's great. Well, I appreciate that. If you need any tips, let me know, Keith. Uh, you know, <laughs> I think as we are talking about the new normal, um, just a couple weeks back, we had Guillermo Diaz, another former Cisco colleague who was the chief information officer of Cisco, now the CEO of CloudSpot. Um, he proactively said, hey, we already do um, Slack integration with our 
artificial intelligence platform for contact tracing and situational awareness. So I think we're going to find more of that. So whether people are conscious or not conscious, there are already um, future thinkers in how to use a platform like Slack and integrating it into their products, which I think is just a fantastic way to drive this adoption in a more efficient form of communication. Yeah, I mean, people are used to this sort of communication outside of work. We use iMessage, we use WhatsApp, we use various communication tools, and we all have our sort of, you know, text messages we send with our friends, which is slightly different perhaps than the text messages we send with our coworkers or our, our family. But if you could take that that natural language paradigm and move it into a work environment where it's secure and safe and uh, easy to collaborate with your coworkers, I think there's a lot there's a lot there. And, and I also want to follow up. Um, Because I completely agree with that thought. I want to follow what you were saying a little bit earlier, which is something that I think I also need to wrap my head around. Um, Slack for communication between uh, disparate organizations. Yeah. Yeah. One of the, so this is the uh, the shared channels features we have. The the really simple way to think about it is imagine your company that offers a, a service online or maybe you offer online support. Imagine now, instead of telling your customers, you have to email support at company X to get input, you buy a high-level support, or maybe the company just offers a, a Slack shared channel. They give you an example for all the vendors that we integrate with at Slack. We don't email them. We just have a Slack channel with them. So when we talk to the vendors that we communicate with, when we need support, when we need a pricing quote, we need to um, have a technical issue, uh, we're in Slack communicating with them. And we have an agreement that, you know, maybe it's not the SLA, is it five seconds or something, but it's, it's a much more effective mechanism than, than emailing them into the, into the abyss and then hoping it comes back sometime. And um, this is going to be a slightly off the wall question. So it's okay if, if <laughs> uh, there isn't an answer yet. Um, my career has been both banking and technology. So you think about highly regulated and back then highly unregulated and becoming more regulated now. Yeah. When I think about something like contractual collaboration between attorneys and stakeholders. And I know there's startups trying to address that. Is that a potential use case or is already a use case for Slack? Um, not being a lawyer and knowing the contractual obligations therein, I would say that having the ability to share documents and have it be in a way that's compliant to various regulations, whether it's federal regulations, HIPAA regulations, PII compliance is definitely part of what we do. Um, I don't know exactly what lawyers and clients need to have for compliance between them, but assume if it's safe, secure, and you know, acknowledged, then it can be done. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's exciting. And I didn't mean to talk too much about the specific laws, but I think that in terms of the traditional way of negotiating a contract, so when I'm negotiating right. a deal, I'm not an attorney either, as people know, but um, <laughs> with the business, more of the business side of doing a deal. So I rely on attorneys to, you know, do the t- terms and conditions, the ability to not have to wait. I, I, back at Cisco, I would sometimes take over a year to negotiate a deal with um, another equal technology player, say, you know, IBM or Sun Microsystems or what have you. And it was purely because of the bottleneck of going back and forth between attorneys. And so I yeah. could go a lot faster if the attorney was available, but I'm just envisioning that a tool like Slack, if you can at least get the collaboration effort in there, so again, not, not so much the yes. law, that yes. would be so much more efficient. hundred percent. So we have done many deals. Um, and I, I imagine a channel-based communication mechanism where you have guests and guests are transient in the channel, such as lawyers coming in to do specific deals and uh, negotiate terms. I, I do that um, far more often than I like. So yes, <laughs> that, that is something we definitely see happening. 
All right. Well, we're at a time on this segment, Alan. Thank you again for sharing what's going on with Slack. Thank you for telling us um, all the things that are on the horizon in terms of dealing with the post-pandemic world. Um, I don't want you to go away because when we come back, I really want to get into your leadership on how you built teams, how you scaled teams. And I think that is going to be super interesting. So once again, you're listening to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. My special guest is Alan Line One, Senior Vice President, Head of Engineering at Slack. If you have any questions or comments, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Welcome back to Silicon Valley Insider. I'm your host, Keith Koo. On today's show, I have special guest, Alan Linewand, who is Senior Vice President of Engineering at Slack. Alan is no stranger to the Valley. He's been in venture capital. He's been big companies like Cisco. He was even CTO of ServiceNow and of Zingo, so he really knows how to scale companies, and he's sharing his insight on how to manage remote teams. On this week's Cyber Tip, I know I have to cover TikTok. Now, you might not know what TikTok is, but TikTok is like the mini YouTube for the Gen Z and possibly some millennials. So this is something you should definitely know about. Um, it's really easy to make a video application. You can do all kinds of things on it, instantly share it. But it's an app that comes directly out of China. And here's the thing. It's sending every keystroke you've ever made on your phone. It's always been doing that. TikTok, now that they've been outed because the new iOS 14 and Apple actually now self-reports on data being accessed, which it didn't do before. TikTok has always been capturing every one of your keystrokes and sending it to an unknown server, most likely in China. So, But that's not the half of it. What's even worse than that is Checkpoint announced even earlier that it does all kinds of other crazy things. It totally spies on you. It snoops into your account and accesses your private details, such as addresses, emails, date of birth. There is a massive security hole. It's able to actually manipulate your own videos if it wanted to. It can delete your content. It can make your private videos public. It can do all kinds of things without you even knowing it. Now, not that they're going to do that. This is what we call our vulnerabilities. And so I would have to urge you, I don't actually use TikTok and neither do my children. But I would have to urge you to use extreme caution in using any application, especially one where you don't know where the data is being sent to. I applaud Apple, and I hope Google follows suit to give more transparency to their users and how their data is being used. Um, I'm a privacy nut. I'm happy to keep reporting these stories. And that's the Cyber Tip of the Week. Welcome back to the show. Once again, I have Alan Linewan, who is the Senior Vice President and the Head of Engineering at Slack. Uh, early in the show, we talked a lot about Alan's career in the Valley with all the companies he's been involved with and the venture capital firms he's worked with. So it's been really great to have Alan here. Thanks again, Alan. Thank you. So Alan, one of the things I think um, I would like you to talk about is Given the new normal and given the way that lots of companies have had to pivot, what's your advice in leading and scaling teams specifically during this time and how to deal with the new normal? 
Yeah, it is. It is an interesting time. And what I find fascinating about it is the whole world is going through this at the same time. It's just hopefully a once in a lifetime event that we all have to live through, but it, it does sort of lead to some different ways of thinking and a whole new normal. Um, you know, as, as I mentioned earlier, I'm having to lead teams and having to do construct interviews and deal with um, one-on-ones and all my daily operations in sort of a 2D world. Like people are all flat now. They're all screen-based. They're not three-dimensional human beings. And what I think teams, what I think you really need to do in leading teams uh, in this remote world is learn to build trust. And what I mean by that is really figure out a way that you can be human. You know, people aren't going to see you in 3D. They're not going to have those quick hallway conversations. They're not going to have those lighthearted moments where you're going to be able to like just sort of like see what they're doing for lunch and make a cute comment or share share something over the coffee machine um you need to actively work to be transparent and actively work to build that trust so when i've thought about how we shift into this world we've been in the past three months and probably be in for a while how do i check in more often with people you know i can't just pop into somebody's office or walk down the hall and see them I, 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 the remote is going to be the new normal for, for many, many people for quite a long amount of time. So be transparent, be more human, make sure that you have those moments of play. I'll, I'll give you an example. In my staff meetings every week, we pick a, a fun Zoom background. So we've done, you know, favorite video game. We've done favorite food. We've done place you're going to visit as soon as you can get on an airplane again. Um, we've done, you know, favorite farm animal. It's just sort of fun. We did uh, first mode of transportation you've ever bought. So I showed my my bicycle. Other people <laughs> had you know other things they had. So it's just all these fun-hearted things that allow you to continue to be human and continue to build that circle of trust. And I think you really have to be empathetic in in today's world. There's a lot of people who are struggling. There's a lot of people that are taking care of kids, taking care of parents, taking care of family, uh, dealing with space issues, dealing with all sorts of stuff that you can't even imagine. And I think understanding that people are struggling and showing them that you care uh, and having that empathy for their environment because you probably don't see it anymore. You know, when they go to work, they had a facade at work and then they had a facade at home. Now kind of that facade is kind of halfway broken because you're peering into their home life on a regular basis. Um, so I really think about building that circle of trust, making myself a little more transparent, finding quick, easy ways to check in and be a little more lighthearted. Because at the end of the day, what that really allows you to do is build the team that knows that they can pick up the phone and call somebody at 3 a.m. Because when things break and things go down in the middle of the night or the customer's complaining, or you've got an issue or you're just stressed and you want to talk to somebody, having someone you can trust and having a team around you, uh, I think makes you, one, be able to work remote and also be able to scale and survive through this. That is really helpful advice. Um, I know Zoom gets a lot of attention and we're on Zoom right now. And uh, we, we hear stories. So I'm glad you brought up how you're changing up with your teams because yeah. I can imagine um, just the stress. There, there's an actual terminology called Zoom fatigue, which is any video conferencing, but it's that uh, they always say that 90% of communication is nonverbal. But right when you're doing a two-way video and you've got distractions in the background, you're worried about your kids, if their video games are too loud or their classes, you're trying to find um, a space in your home that won't cross uh, feed. I mean, that is stressful. They, they did a study. They were doing a study on simultaneous interpreters. So 
you know, Chinese, Japanese, German, and that they were already showing signs even before the pandemic when they have to do a translation or interpretation via video conference. So now you've got uh, a channel with, you know, 25 different people, 50 different people, and you're always trying to figure out how do I look? Am I going to say something wrong? Is the microphone, is there a hot mic on? So I do appreciate that you as a leader have already been thinking about these things. And I have to tell you, my technical friends, my engineering friends, and of course, the stereotype is that they're less extroverted. They're talking about how they wish they had their commute again, because the commute was the only downtime they had if they're driving in the car where they could kind of zone out, they could listen to a book, they could listen to the radio, they could listen to XM, whatever, MP3s. It was the only downtime, but now they're always on. So it's actually, instead of thinking, there's the thought that there's more free time because you don't have to commute. But now they're saying that the expectation is that we're always on. You know, it's funny about that. We, um, we understand that. We understand there are certain people who have few hours in a day because they have more personal commitments and other commitments that are pushing on the boundaries of their environment. And there are other people that are, you know, don't have that. And they are feeling isolated and they are feeling uh, the need for that community at times. One of the hacks um, that was told to me, which I admit I have not done successfully very well, but I thought was brilliant, is I have have somebody told me that they, they wake up every morning, they get dressed, and instead of commuting, they walk around the block for 20 minutes and they walk straight into the house to the office do their work. And at the end of the day, they walk out of their office or out of the room where they're doing their work, walk around the block again for 10 or 15 minutes, and then come home, if you will, um, to sort of demark the day so they can get into that right mental state. Because if you let yourself be absorbed into work, it's always there. You know, Slack's always on. Zoom is always, you know, a button or two away. And it can be very fatiguing. And I think people feel like they have to, because they don't get those hallway conversations, they don't get those quick check-ins, they don't get that face-to-face empathetic, like you said, nonverbal communications. They feel like they have to be more present even in the Zoom meetings. And and that that it adds more to the stress for people. So we're we're trying very hard to think about that. We've actually been giving people days off. We've been telling them, you will take this time off to gain some headspace. Um and we're, we're trying very hard to, as a leadership team, to think about how do we embrace the new normal, but at the same time support what everyone needs in order to be successful there. No, it's great that you and the leadership team are doing that. And I uh, continue to be impressed with leadership teams in different organizations that do have the empathy towards their workforce because it is a really stressful time. Uh, what are some of the things that are going to be out on the horizon for Slack um, in the new normal? Yeah, when you think about the future of, of tech at work, I think there's just a ton still to learn. We just have so much going on that we have to learn about. But I think without a doubt, we're going to be more decentralized. We're not going to be as you know, in office. We're going to be more distributed. Um, and I think, honestly, the thing that we always strive for at Slack is to be more diverse. We know diverse teams, by definition, produce better products. And we need to be able to continue to take this as an opportunity to reach out to other geographies and other areas where there is talent to bring that talent into the team. Um, so for us, thinking about what the future of work looks like at Slack, it's going to be more decentralized. It's going to be more distributed. We're going to focus again as we continue to do on diversity. And I think that's going to help drive the new normal for us going forward. All right. Well, Alan, thank you for your time today on the regular part of the show. I always 
am very impressed with what you've done in your career and what you're doing now at Slack. So thanks again for being here. And I don't want you to go away because we got to come back for the end of the show where you're going to talk about your thoughts on the future overall. So thanks again. Thank you. If you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today with Alan, email us at info at svn.biz. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we'll be right back with more of Alan. For questions or comments on today's program, call 1-888-828-7846. That's 888-828-SVIN. Now, back to Silicon Valley Insider. Once again, your host, Keith Koo. Hey, Insiders. Welcome back to the show. Once again, my special guest today is Alan Linewan, who's the Senior Vice President and Head of Engineering at Slack. Welcome back, Alan. Thanks, Keith. So, Alan, thanks again. Uh, earlier, we talked about your career, all the companies you've been involved with, and just to name a few, uh, Cisco Systems and Zynga and ServiceNow and now Slack. And these are all very senior uh, positions. What do you think the future of technology and the future of work overall is? Yeah, it's a, it's a big question, but I'll give it a stab. Um, I think we're going to have a way to need better. We're going to need to have a way to have better communications. If we are going to have more people being remote, I don't think we're all obviously going to be locked in our homes forever, but I think that there will be a large shift of folks who will move to remote work. And I think one of the things we need to do is figure out how we have folks feel less isolated, how we have them feel less distant. Um, one of the things that I've seen some of our teams here at Slack do, which I think is, is fascinating, is they have two or three members of their team that are already remote. So what they've already been doing is even if six people of the team are here in San Francisco and two of them remote, team meetings are already over Zoom, even if six people are local. That way, the two that are remote don't feel that they are out of the room, if you will, so to speak, all the time. So I think we need to figure out a way for people to get ready for meetings to be remote for everyone, even when the majority of people may be in the same city or even in the same building. I think from a technology point of view, we need to continue to drive cheaper last mile. You know, all companies, Cisco will be happy to help people do that and try higher bandwidth. I think we need better home, in-home Wi-Fi mesh. You see things from folks like Orbi and Arrow and some of the stuff that Plume's doing with Comcast. Um, it's some amazing home Wi-Fi mesh, but it's not as ubiquitous as you'd like to think. And I see every single day people are like, I'm having Wi-Fi issues. My network's dropping out. It happens all the time. So I think making that easier and more ubiquitous would be great. And I think going another layer down, getting better audio and video compression and codecs so that way we don't have to have quite the bandwidth requirements and can get a more fluid type of experience, whether it's virtual whiteboards or audio that doesn't clip or video that doesn't pixelate. Is gonna is gonna continue to be uh, really really important, and I think back to the days when video was like a little two by two screen, you know, real player. If that rings a bell with anybody, but it does to me. It back does to me day. too. Yeah, and here we are doing you know, high def, full screen, full motion video. Uh, it's been a while, but the technology's come a long way. But now imagine what's gonna be over the next ten years, or the next fifteen years. I'm I'm pretty excited for for seeing that. So I really think that the the technology of the future is going to be more decentralized, more distributed, allow more diverse teams to be built, and having a better communications platform on top of all that is going to be super important. Thanks, Alan. I think that is uh, super helpful. I think that is good to take a pause. That's what we're in right now due to lockdown. That uh, when things, events happen, um, it's scary while we're in it, but there's always um, a technology revolution that happens afterwards. And so I, I think that's very, very encouraging. 
And speaking of encouraging, I wanted to talk about a personal passion project of yours at Slack, which is related to COVID-19. Why don't we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so when, when COVID hit, um, we got reached out to by a number of different doctors that were saying that they wanted a way to communicate. But what was happening is that they were getting WhatsApp messages and iMessages and going to message boards and reading blogs and posts. And the doctors who were fully qualified medical personnel didn't really know if the data they were getting was real or coming from another doctor just happened to be someone on a Reddit board. So they were, they were stressed and they came to, uh, one of them happened to come to me, uh, this doctor in LA happened to come to, found his way to me and said, hey, we would love a, a Slack group to have medical personnel. We found a partner of ours at Slack, a company called ID.me. And what ID.me does is they sort of marry um, secure logins with national registries of like police force, um, medical personnel, et cetera. So there's this thing called the NPI or the National Provider, uh, I forget that thing, identifier. There you go, National Provider Identifier. And what the NPI does is every doctor has an NPI number. So we ended up building this Slack workspace that combines ID.me, NPI certification with entry into the workspace. So mm -hmm. now everyone with inside the Slack workspace is a medical professional. They know they're talking to other medical professionals. And now there's channels around PPE and um, pediatrics and remote uh, medicine and emergency room care. And there's lots and lots of active conversations. And I was really super proud just to play a small part in bringing that medical community together and helping people literally across the planet uh, communicate about what's going on and get real data from real doctors. So it's just just awesome to see. That's a very inspiring story. I mean, back to Slack being in the right place, being set up to have that partnership with IDME and being able to serve um, the healthcare professionals. That That is actually um, what we talk about all the time, being able to pivot in a good way, being able to take advantage of the technologies and skills that you have and be able to do that quickly. And I think people forget how, uh, especially people during transition right now, um, cost of technology has gone down. There are tools like Zoom, there are tools that are like Slack that are way cheaper than buying enterprise class tools you know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago. And so now's the time really to experiment, uh, to do fast iteration and to see if you can really make a difference and an impact. Yeah, the, the team at ID.me, we should give them all the credit for doing that integration. They did it. We just um, put the two pieces together and, and help them iterate as fast as we can. And you're 100% right, Keith. I mean, having the ability to take these these tools, and again, whether it's what we're doing at Slack or Zoom or, or lots of other tools, whether it's file sharing, whether it's lots of other collaboration tools that are out there that, that are really helping people continue to be productive and continue to think that, hey, the future of work could be different because we have been as productive as we have been in this time and giving people hope that if we are locked down for another end days, weeks, or months, I'll continue to be able to work is, is really a, a great thing. And it's really something that we're spending a lot of time thinking about and making sure that we can bring to the world. All right. Well, Alan, thanks again for being on the show today. Um, can't believe we're already out of time. It was, a, it was a great conversation. I'd love to have you back on sometime. Thank you, Keith. It's an honor to be here. Thanks for, thanks for having, having me here. Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. Special guest today is Alan Line One, Senior Vice President and Head of Engineering at Slack. He has a very, very rich history here in Silicon Valley. Uh, actually, doesn't need any introduction. Even he, and he's humble too, as we just gave all the props to ID.me. If you have any questions or comments about what we talked about today, email us at info at svn.biz. 
You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, or LinkedIn, and we will see you next week. You've been listening to Silicon Valley Insider with Keith Koo. For questions or comments on today's program or to schedule a complimentary consultation with Keith about your business, call 1-888-828-SVIN. That's 1-888-828-7846. 888-828-SVIN. 